really happy to see you all um, engaged in learning about uh, Pause for Peace. And one caveat is this is a very busy time in Salida. Like, so Tales for Trails, I actually thought I was going to be doing this morning, but then it turned out to be from like 11 till 3. So, um, so I think many of our dog friends are currently um, walking in talks right now, which is fun. Yeah, am I? Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, and so um, I actually would like to introduce Molly Rowan Leach, and she has been a strong supporter of restorative justice um, as long as I've known her. She's been probably about 10, 12 years now. And she also is the founder of Restorative Justice on the Rise, which um, you can speak to that, Molly, if you want to explain that better than I can. Um, but basically it promotes restorative justice through po podcasts and radio. And I just don't want to jump off the camera here. So, um, so I'm very happy to have Molly here with us today. She's been um, an amazing support. And so thank you. Thank you, Patty. Thank you so much. So um, welcome to those who are here in the room and also those who are joining us through Facebook Live. Um, Patty is, from my research globally, very likely the first person to integrate restorative justice practices and therapy dogs together. And um, this is very amazing. It's extraordinary that she's local here in Salida with us. And those of you in the room, many um, have seen the efficacy and the power of therapy dog teams, such as Debbie and her four-legged and many others in this area who come into a room and um, into sometimes a pre-conference as well as the full-on um, victim-offender dialogue and create uh, the ability for that container to um, open to a, a deeper level due to the regulatory capacities of simply having a dog present. And of course that's with permission of um, the participants. And I've learned so much from Patty. She's a practitioner. She is uh, the reason why Full Circle Restorative Justice in Salida, Colorado, 11th District here, uh, JD, became the program that it is today. Um, she, she wasn't the founder, but she basically put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to create that program together with her community. She's one of the, the most um, community-oriented people I know, <laughs> and um, she's done extraordinary work in this field over the past two decades and beyond. Uh, last thing I wanna say about Patty before I read um, uh, a little acknowledgement from former retired Sen Senator and Representative Pete Lee and Lynn Lee um, from Colorado is that Patty also integrates nonviolent communication and other um, therapeutic models into the work, including reflective listening and uh, many other important tools for, for creating a good container for the actual process from, from the beginning all the way to the closure. Um, so I just, uh, I, I've also seen Patty 
do um, be and do speak nonviolent communication techniques in our office environment. And she changed me deeply um, in the way that she would ask for certain things um, in a nonviolent manner. It made me feel connected with her. It made me feel proud to be working with her. Um, so she embodies restorative practices as well as is an excellent trainer and teacher of them. Um, so I'm holding the book Pause for Peace, which is available here for sale today. And um, there's bookmarks back there for those of you. And those of you watching, you can get this online um, at your favorite, hopefully, uh, grassroots bookseller. <laughs> um, but let's, let's hear from Pete Lee, former senator and representative and Lynn Lee to kick us off today. Um, and I think we're gonna hand over in a moment um, to hear from a couple of facilitators as well, right? So this is from the foreword. Bringing people together in a restorative justice circle means bringing someone who has created harm together with the victim of his, her offense in addition to family members and community members. The circle can be a very powerful and healing space, but it also can initially be a very uncomfortable and difficult space to be a part of. Imagine sitting in a circle face-to-face -face with the person who has harmed you, or maybe you are the individual who has harmed someone else. Would you both feel nervous, anxious, sad, upset? As restorative justice facilitators, we have seen all of these emotions and many more. It is part of our job to create a safe and supportive environment for all. The use of therapy dogs in restorative justice is beautiful. Research has shown the therapeutic value of pets for those who have experienced difficulties and trauma in their lives. It is our hope and wish that restorative justice practitioners around the globe will understand and consider the therapeutic value of utilizing therapy dogs in their restorative practices. It is an opportunity to provide another level of healing and care for those we work with. Pause for Peace, Enhancing Restorative Practices with Therapy Dogs is the handbook to help make this happen. A special thanks to Patty Latai for all of the work and outreach she has done in bringing therapy dogs into restorative practices. With much appreciation, Colorado State, former state senator and former representative Pete Lee, RJ practitioner, trainer, and restorative justice Colorado State Council member Lynn Lee. Uh, would you like to say a few words about Restorative Justice on the Rise, Steve? Oh, sure. <laughs> um, restorative Justice on the Rise was a platform that I founded, but I'm with a global community of practitioners, educators. Um, since 2011, having the joy and honor of interviewing people, of collaborating with faculty members uh, for webinars, doing live events, in-person events, helping people find each other with the resources and the trainings that they need. So it's been an honor um, to continue that work. Uh, there's a podcast on iTunes and you can find it on Spotify. And there's some voices, including Patty's, on that podcast. So 
Yeah, it's it's been a joy and it continues. So uh, the website is restorativejusticeontherise.org. Thank you. Great. Yeah. It's a gift and a pleasure um, to be here with you all and to have such amazing individuals as part of this work. Um, and those of you who are interested in the work, um, I'd like to introduce you to um, a number of people who have been involved in full circle restorative justice. And um, we can actually start with Debbie here. And this is Cole. Right. Okay. Yes. Would you like to speak a little about anything in your work? Um, yes, we started um, restorative justice, I can't remember, about six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. I just moved here about that time and met Patty and we did restorative justice for a couple of years. And um, I, the classes are late at night, but I'd still like to be a big part of it. It's just hard for me to do that because I can't drive at night anymore in the canyon. So <laughs> it kind of keeps me from doing a whole lot, but I would love to be involved in anything I can. I think the program is amazing. And I watched the children, you know, the ones that were involved just feel so much better because there was a dog there and they could love on it anytime they wanted to. And it just kind of brings peace to the, the whole situation. So they feel comfortable talking and the dog gets them something to love on. So I love it. It's great. And Debbie is um, a certified RJ facilitator as well. So when the individuals come in as a therapy dog team, they actually are trained in a 40 hour um, RJ facilitator role which means that they would be responsible for um, facilitating the actual pre-conferences as well as the conferences between the person who was harmed and the person or the individuals who did the harm. It's okay. very rewarding, very rewarding. And they were secretly my little ace in the hole when we were, <laughs> we were doing our conferences. Things can get pretty emotional, somewhat tense, um, a lot of anxiety and things. And and when the therapy dog team came in, it just smoothed everything over. Communication flowed better, less anxiety. Um, and then if we needed any type of input from community members and stuff, you know, I knew I had an RJ trained facilitator right there. So it was, it was super helpful. So thank you, Debbie. And you bet. I think it's a great program and it's very worthwhile and it really makes a difference. And uh, I'd like to introduce Steve Eckert, who actually has been a longtime facilitator um, um, or mediator as well, certified mediator now. And um, he has handled some really challenging cases and has done that as a volunteer with good grace and well hand handled and um, very positive uh, leadership role. Yeah. Would you like to speak to Could you come up? Oh, oh, right. Thank you. <laughs> on camera. Cue, cue me after, you know, because I tend to I tend to roll on. I have so much so much stuff in my head that I was thinking about. But what you read, uh, Molly from from Pete Lee was exactly what I was thinking about saying. The the people that we work with, and we have changed the names, we call them the person responsible. That used to be the offender and uh, the person harmed instead of the victim. So it's words, I think, are really important. There's a lot of weight to them, and, and there's, there's stuff behind 
those we we do we don't we want to label people in a, in a nonviolent way and that's another part of uh, facilitating restorative justice circles that is so important is nonviolent communication which Patty teaches I've taken her course I helped her team teach uh, in Canyon City last fall to a group of I think 25 AmeriCorps volunteers they're age 19 to about 22 or 23 and fully half of them when Patty asked who's heard of restorative justice raise their hand so um, it's I, I'm I'm sold on it. My background, I flew, I was a pilot for FedEx for 35 years. In the last 20 years, I did conflict resolution um, as a volunteer with my pilot's union, the, the ALPA, and, and was the committee chair. We helped, um, we protected pilots' jobs because when, when pilots have conflicts in the cockpit, sometimes those get reported to flight management, and then the pilot might be subject to disciplinary action. So I would get up in front of a group of pilots sometimes in, um, at the hub in Memphis and say, hey, we've got a problem, come to our committee, was called professional standards. So that's where I got my, my start in conflict resolution. And then when my daughter was in school in San Francisco, she went to San Quentin Prison as part of one of her courses and sat in a circle of lifers. And that's where the, the Insight Prison Project started, which is under the umbrella of, of RJ, of Restorative Justice. And that's been going on, I think, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's when I first heard of Restorative Justice. Then I moved here after I retired in 2015 and called up Patty and introduced myself. And she said right away, you need to come over to the office and talk to me. So after a couple minutes of conversation, she said, um, so you need to come to facilitator training, which I said, great, because I was looking for uh, something along the lines that would include my skill set in conflict resolution, and, and RJ did that. And if everybody's pretty familiar with how the circles work, um, the say we build a safe container. The, the therapy dogs really help do that. I've seen it because the law in Colorado is written for people normally 21 and under. And so there's a lot of what Pete described, anxiety, uh, uncomfortableness, um, shame, shame and guilt. And when a dog is present, it's an amazing, uh, it, it creates this atmosphere that is just so wonderful. Um, I mean, obviously there's no substitute for, for trained facilitators because we need to keep the dialogue. <laughs> but when somebody, uh, and the dogs are so intuitive that they will just, they will just go. They, they sense when a person needs something that uh, or is, is uncomfortable and it, it, it helps it helps people to relax and to trust which is what we are our big part of building that safe container is to get people to trust that they and we say you know this is all confidential so 
what happens in the circle stays in the circle. Yeah, what my uh, my experience has been so positive, um, and I think as a male, this this is uh, this work is has been dominated by females, which, which is of course many. I think the role of many females in our society is caregivers, so it's kind of a natural uh, avenue, but. To have a male in the circle, especially with these teenage boys, they go, wow, you know, this guy's not yelling at me. Or, you know, he's asking me questions and he's listening to me. And so, um, I mean, Patty has observed this because, you know, when you're doing it, a lot of times you don't see what's happening in that relationship. And that's another thing that RJ does is it builds relationships, which is a really important thing. And Patty's pointed out to me. Steve, did you see how he responded to you? No, tell me more about that. Because <laughs> that's that's good feedback. Um, yeah, any questions? No. I, I, I'm just, I'm so glad that, to do this work. And I'm so glad that we have it in our community and that we are utilizing the, the, the positive nature of, of therapy dogs. And thank you so much, Patty, for, for writing this book. And, and being the being the trainer, everybody's trainer. Thank you, yeah. Steve. I appreciate that. I do have, I have oh, a quick question. Sure. question. Um, I'd love to hear from you about what you've witnessed as far as you know. You described the the fuller conference, mm. but the work of restorative starts a lot sooner than the fuller conference. What have you seen with um, when a, a therapy dog does join in a pre-conference setting? Um, do you, what, what are your thoughts about like how that supports, um, like the pre-work that moves us towards that fuller circle? I, um, I, I haven't had a lot of experience with, with therapy dogs and pre-conferences, but what I've seen is that it, it kind of speeds the, the process along, um, rather than, you know, okay, let's take a 15 year old teenage boy that let's say shoplifted, okay, from the local store. And, and, and he and his, his parent or guardian come into the office for the pre-conference. We pre-conference both the person responsible and the person harmed to um, get them on board with what's gonna happen when, when the circle comes together and, and to ask them questions and get, get the story. And those are separate, right? Yes, yes, the pre-conference happens first. and. And also part of the pre-conference is to find out if the person responsible really has remorse for what they did. Um, because um, the process is, is victim-centered. And um, we have had victims or people harmed that didn't want to show up for the circle. And then we get a surrogate. We, and so when we use the pre-conference questionnaire for the person that was harmed to um, let that surrogate say what, or be the mouthpiece for the, for the person harmed. But the therapy dog um, almost instantly helps create that safe container, that trust between the facilitator and, and the people that are involved in that. So 
it's it, yeah, it creates a great atmosphere. Yeah. Thanks. Does Thank that you. Answer your question. That does. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for all your good work. Yeah, no, thank you. Okay, that's wonderful. And I'd like to introduce Mindy Candy, who actually worked um, in full circle early on, like in our very, very beginning days. I don't know if you were able to attend many circles. Just one, but it was very powerful. Would you like to speak to that at all? Um, I wasn't really prepared okay. to speak, okay. and I didn't see that anything that there were dogs. So. Okay. Okay. But it's a powerful process and and an equitable process and um I believe in strength. Thank you. Okay. And we actually have Marianne Longwell, I'm not putting you on the spot, but you came and volunteered as a community member for a number of different circles. A couple. Yeah, sat in circles. And Mary and Marianne's background is actually um, she's a licensed counselor. So having her there was so supportive of, of um, you know, kind of focusing in on like emotions and behaviors and, and things that, um, and so I found your, your valuable, found you as a valuable resource. Um, so um, anyone else here have any RJ experience, anything restorative justice wise? Just um, welcome Sharon. Thank you. 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 So I, I just actually, um, I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here again. It's very different. Um, I haven't spoken and presented live for, um, well, before COVID basically. So to me, I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit nervous. And I woke up this morning and oh, this is my love of my life partner here, Benny Bowmaster. Um, you know, pretty much, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm nervous and sitting. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm like, I wrote the book on this. <laughs> I literally wrote the book. So I, I think I have a handle on it. So, um, so what I'd like to do is just read you part of a, the introduction in here about how this initially came and was evolved. Okay, so just so we know and everyone's clear, when we talk about restorative justice, which has actually been in existence from millennium basically from tribal cultures who work together to um, basically address any type of conflict. And when they do that, they have different ways of handling it, such as like a Native American approach, which is actually a very restorative approach. Um, in New Zealand, there has been um, the tribes in, in New Zealand and the Aborigines, they have a very similar approach. And actually we took their approach or individuals went to New Zealand and studied under the Maori tribe. And then they brought back these practices and of course, you know, definitely um, accommodated our society and, and expectations and things um, in bringing it into the United States and then starting into the Western world. Um, but our approach is very humanistic. It's very holistic and it's very much not based on punishment, but repair, okay? 
So restorative justice is an evidence-based peace-building conflict resolution process. It involves a common sense approach to dealing with incidents of crime and or conflict by addressing the needs of victims. Okay, remember we changed that now. So the people who are impacted, the people who are harmed, and that's within a community centered. Okay, all of us would be in a circle, like right here, you know, addressing the needs of the individuals. And then that's how we approach to resolving harm, resolving issues and repairing the harm. Okay, so that's what RJ is. And then there's different ways to put it into practice. And what you heard from our volunteers and people, which by the way, the fact that we haven't even been together as volunteers within restorative justice for the last three and a half years. But I can call people on the phone and say, hey, we're gonna do a presentation. And, and then they show up like, and it's not about me. It's not about my book. It's about the, the impact and the, the bond that you have with community and other individuals who do this amazing work. Um, and, and it's powerful and it changes lives. And so it's really, you know, I, I do have deep appreciation and love for all of us who have been involved in this. Um, so, but the fun part is, okay, is that I am a big dog lover. Anybody who knows me knows that. <laughs> okay. um, and I always thought that dogs were therapy dogs. And some of the quotes in this book was like, you know, all dogs are therapy dogs. Some don't know it, but you know, basically pretty much they are. Um, and when I realized when my dog Maya passed away, she was an older dog, um, Border Collie Lab, who was a bundle of energy. Um, when she passed away, I had a little dog named Carmelita, who's actually on the back of the book. And she was uh, very, very, you remember Carmi? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Carmi. She was so mellow and sweet. And, and Molly, I think you were there when we started taking her into the office because her big sister had died. And so she was, she was grieving, mourning. And so I started bringing her with me. And when we were working up at the uh, top floor of the courthouse at the time, and, and they were like, oh, I don't know, we can't be taking the dog to work. And I'm like, oh. I'll have her certified as a therapy dog. <laughs> and then I get to bring my dog to work with me every day. Hey, right. But she turned out to be the initial, you know, our mascot basically. And she was great. And she didn't do much. <laughs> she, was, she pretty much laid on her little pillow in the middle of the circle and people would come up and pet her. Or we did pass her around. She was last yeah. size. So we did pass her around. And people appreciated her. But she was like the start. And then we started talking to other individuals who were part of the GP County ther dog therapy groups and kind of got into our heads that, you know, maybe this would be, you know, something that we could build a team and have a peace team. And so we started and I'll give you the, the beginning, the exact beginning of it. Okay. So as a former executive director and um, program director of about 14 years at Full Circle Restorative Justice, in Salida, Colorado, I'm overwhelmingly grateful to an exceptional group of dedicated volunteers who are always willing to try new ideas and practices. These individuals are more than willing to pioneer the approach of inviting therapy dog teams into the victim offender conferencing process. The idea of dogs and circles germinated during a training in which, while I kind of invited our veteran facilitators, I'm like, okay, so think about and describe what was the most awkward an uncomfortable moment within the RJ process for facilitators and participants. Okay, what, what moment is that? And those of you who have been facilitated, you know what it is. It's like when you put the person who was harmed versus the person who did the harm in the circle together, like the first few moments of that. I used to be like, oh, 
very uncomfortable. And so, you know, so invariably the, the, that answer, you know, the most excruciating time is the initial few minutes when they all meet and it can set the tone for the entire conference. So as an experienced facilitator, I mulled over how to ease the inherent tension and decided to have an icebreaker to assist in creating connection and building rapport. And who better to do this than a docile dog, a cute canine connector who can meet the needs for ease and comfort. Okay, <laughs> makes sense to me. I glanced over at my little dog, Carmi, sleeping peacefully on her bed after greeting all of our FCRJ family and friends. A quote by Edith Wharton, my little dog, a heartbeat at my feet, always surfaced in my mind when I had her with me. The pleasure that accompanied Carmi's appearance in, in the FCRJ office and trainings was palpable. Would it be possible to bring well-trained dogs into RJ and then let them work their magic to reduce the inherent tension between the victims and the offenders? As it turns out, it was not only possible, it was miraculously positive, okay? So as Susan Ariel Kennedy writes, dogs are miracles with paws. And FCRJ's results were actually conclusive because we tracked them and introducing therapy dogs appeared to enhance the RJ process for the majority of the circle participants. And the canines in questions are specially trained and then certified mainly by the National Alliance of Therapy Dogs and or other certifying agencies and are teamed up with their human handlers who are RJ trained and certified facilitators. By inviting a therapy dog into the circle, significant steps are in place to help ease the tension and calm the anxiety experienced by participants. The therapy dog team also attends the pre-conferences and ideally are in the courtroom, we're still working on that, um, when the individual, individual cases from the judge, district attorney, public defender, or probation officers are referred, okay? So the use of therapy dogs is con consistently expanding an increasing number of of institutions such as schools, libraries, hospitals, hospice, nursing homes, airports, medical research studies, retirement homes, veteran rehab centers, and rescue efforts. Restorative justice programs are now recognizing the importance of the human-animal bond. And Molly and I can speak to that we were selected to speak at um, uh, the national conference in 2018, was it? 17. 17, thank you. Yeah. Um, and that was in Oakland. And then I was invited to do the most recent one, but because of COVID concerns, I, I chose not to. And that was in Chicago this past year. Um, but the fact is, is that there are individuals who are involved in the restorative justice programs. Oh, we can come around. That's great. Um, and we are getting the word out, thanks to programs like Molly's, and, and um, that we can reach people and have them start to actually um, incorporate having the therapy dogs have an active role in their um, RJ programs. So um, I, I'm not sure, okay. Um, the impact of, of using therapy dogs in restorative justice circles become clear during the very first circle one of our dogs was in Abby. And both the offender and his mother had been previously diagnosed with anxiety disorders and were extremely stressed about the circle. When they shared their story, Abby sat between them. As they spoke, they gently stroked Abby. Both commented later how Abby's presence helped them get through a very difficult experience. So, um, any questions on anything so far? Welcome. Sorry we're late. Were you in Tales of Trails? 
Did you do the tail switch? No. Oh, no. okay. Okay. No worries. <laughs> I have not a question, but a comment. I appreciate changing the language from victim and offender to to the more updated language. Yeah. What did you say to the, although it still doesn't really quite flow, those who have been harmed and those who did the harm. Yes. Receiver and author is a suggested yeah, way okay. of speaking to um, from Dominic Barter yes. of Restorative Circles, which yeah. might feel a little more flowy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a little more flowy. And so I'm gonna go through this. Um, let's see. As Steve mentioned earlier, um, we use different types of restorative practices and different approaches, such as um, the restorative justice as well as nonviolent communication. And uh, by the way, Steve and I are working on putting together an NBC workshop, weekend workshop training in November. So um, if you're interested, you know, please talk to either of us. Patty, what's P for P? Pause for peace. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh <that was> <laughs> um, so, no, no, we're all good. Um, restorative practices. Okay, common sense approach. We talked about this. Again, these are the, the options that's available if you choose to resolve conflict in a peaceful manner. And I put up there dog friendly. Okay, so you got the okay victim offender dialogues we have that has to be updated um and the rj circle so you see victim offenders that is the way our justice system is going to refer to them so if you're working within the justice system the public defender the public, you know the district attorney it will always be a victim and offender okay so we could change it around and make it all nice and then they accuse us of being too kumbaya okay but we believe words have power words have meaning okay so um, so basically, uh, everything's kind of evolving to be, as I put it, more dog friendly, which makes me really, really happy. Okay. And uh, approaches in creating peace is, as, as Steve mentioned earlier, repairing relationships and building safe communities. Okay. What we're looking at is such a broader scope than like one individual incident. Um, and then we bring in a dog and everything seems to flow better, which it does, by the way. But we're looking at it as a global approach, okay? This is something that can impact crime resolution. And as I'm very concerned with is humanizing the justice system. Okay? I actually worked with the Peace Alliance for the past seven years um, as their humanizing justice system lead. And a large part of what we focus on is restorative justice in that. Um, so we, we talk about things like the backstory, okay, what's going on behind the scenes, um, super important, um, custom design consequences, it's not just you're going to pay a certain amount of money and then you're going to be, okay. I just heard a difference. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, so, <laughs> okay. um, so you know we're we're going to say you know look so you harmed this individual you actually um, you know broke a window or did something okay great you're going to pay that back okay and then you know instead of just being punished you know maybe you and the individual that you you harm maybe you're willing to meet I mean do the things that actually happen meet for coffee and talk about what well, you know, how are your grades doing? You know, how are you doing? Did you, did you finish your RJ contract? 
or um, let's you have community service hours. Well, you're going to volunteer at the Humane Society. I love dogs. You love dogs. Let's go together and do that. I mean, some really powerful, compassionate approaches to like guiding and mentoring young people. That just happens like naturally. Um, so definitely, you know, within our justice system, it's really hard for the the person who's been harmed, the victim, to have a real say. Restorative justice gives them a voice. Um, so accountability is self-esteem. Um, one thing that I always focus on is how RJ helps individuals move past shame. Because if you've done something that harms somebody, you may feel guilty, but you also feel a lot of shame. And shame is really hard to move forward from, okay? Um, and you have to find some way to resolve in yourself that you're not a bad person. And RJ gives you the key to do that. It's like, oh, you thought I was a bad person, but look, now I can do this and this and this, and I'll make it up to you, and we make it right, okay? And having the opportunity to do that does not happen in our current justice system, a traditional justice system. So. Okay, questions on any of that, anyone? Hey, I have questions. Yes. Um, so restorative justice um, is a new concept for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just wondering, um, I mean, you've talked about pretty minor types of crimes that have come up, like broken window or, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, theft. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just wondering, what at what level does the restorative justice That's work? Really good question, Jeanette. Thank you. Um, it has actually worked in cases of, and you can Google this and, and see some really like empowering and fascinating cases of individuals who have been charged with murder um, for cases. I know that we handled one that was vehicular homicide. Um, there's been cases, there's even sexual assault cases that are even being addressed nowadays within the RJ process. Um, so you can say some pretty high level ones depending on the individuals involved, okay? They have to be appropriate, which means they have to show remorse. They have to want to repair what, what they have done in whatever way possible, and they're willing to meet with the, with the person they want. Okay, so you're looking at some pretty exceptional people, like if there's such a crime as in murder or assault or something that you know, are willing to actually come together and, and work on that to find to resolve it and find a level of peace. Um, but one thing I would like to say is having worked in the prison project program as well as Steve has, um, is that the individuals who are incarcerated, 90% um, 90, 90%, 95%, they are not the same people who committed their crime, mainly because they're on drugs and alcohol. So their judgment, the people that, you know, usually they have addictions, um, they have things that cause um, them to make choices and do things that they otherwise would not have, have done. So. Do you agree with that, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. And the trauma, the underlying trauma of their own lives. I was going to make a comment that I, the thing that I really do remember about the circle that I was able to attend was that the um, person who did the harm, he, I think that he was in a way a victim of the circumstances of his life. Mm -hmm. And I think had he gone through the regular justice system, the criminal justice system, that he probably would have continued. I think that that system can put you, if you're in those circumstances as a young person, it can put you on the wrong path and put you in that on that path that continues you committing crimes. And 
he was a very nice young man and I I think that it really helped him turn the corner away from what might have been a life of crime. You know, I think the restorative justice, um, having that opportunity to come into the restorative justice circle mm -hmm. um, gave him the opportunity, hopefully, to change his life. Thank you for sharing that because that's been the case for a large number of, especially young people, restorative justice is amazing. And, and they've tracked it, they've done, um, empirical research that has shown that, you know, if a young person goes through the judicial justice system, there's like a 70% chance of a reoffense, which is really hot and unacceptable in my book. Um, but if they go through restorative justice um, approach in, in doing this in a program, then it can drop down um, between 30 and 10%. I think he saw that people cared. Yeah, right? Does that change anything? Does that make a difference? Makes it difference. They see the level of compassion and understanding and people aren't just holding them, blaming, blaming and, and punishing. So, if you answered this before I came in, don't repeat yourself. Is RJ currently in, the school, in all the schools here in Chaffee County? Um, RJ, we do have a full circle restorative justice is the nonprofit organization that's operating. I know they're in at least some of the schools. Uh, I know they were in um, the um, Horizon Exploratory Academy, so I know they're working with the higher risk young people, which is great. Um, and then I know also that uh, they were working in um, some of the schools doing peer mediation. So, but um, I do have some information back there on Full Circle Restorative Justice. There's uh, brochures and um, business cards um, for the current executive director. Okay. And welcome to Paula and Keith, volunteers, another therapy dog team. Thank you for coming. Okay, so um, just real quick to cover, you know, the difference in approaches of the system of justice, traditional justice. It's like, okay, well, laws have been broken. Who did it? And what do they deserve? Now notice that, what do they deserve, okay? And then you look at restorative justice, and it says, who has been hurt? What are their needs? And whose obligations are these? Okay, very different approach to this. This is victim-centered, or I'm sorry, the person who is harm-centered, okay? This is traditionally like, how do we punish the person who did the, the wrongdoing? Uh, overall benefits, we kind of talked about this. So um, you have satisfied victims. So you have individuals who are feeling better about their situation and that, you know, whatever happened to them was somewhat repaired, which may or may not happen within a traditional justice system. Um, and we also have like real accountability by the individuals who had to own up and say, yes, I did this. You know, tell me what I need to do to make it right. Um, so... And many, maybe many of you know this, but the wheels of justice grind very slowly in the traditional system. In RJ, we can get case, well, we used to, and when I was actually working there, we could get cases through the entire process within 30 days. So, um, and restitution, instead of having this young person who's never even met the individual that they harmed and they're like, what, I have to pay like $240 because I broke a, a window? You know, now they're like, oh, I'm ready to pay because Mrs. Jones needs her window because winter's coming, you know, and I know her and, you know, I don't want her to be cold. 
So because of some dumb thing, you know, it's like, they don't make the best choices. That's what we say, you know? Kids are like, I did something dumb. It's like, well, okay, you don't make the best choices. Um, reduced recidivism, like we said, people are, you know, young people and, and individuals, adults are less likely to offend or reoffend. And then we're looking at repair of relationships and community reintegration, okay? All really awesome things to be happening. Um, one of the things I just wanted to throw this in here, not going to spend much time on it, but if you are interested in learning more about nonviolent communication, this is the book that I would say is um, very helpful in um, starting to shift from um, what you may or may not consider violent communication, but traditional, you know, somewhat violent communication, um, to a more nonviolent, compassionate approach. And it's actually nonviolent communication, the language of life, and it's written by the founder, Marshall Rosenberg. Um, and one of the things that you know we work on with the individuals within a restorative circle would be that they we, we make observations without judgment. Okay, we check out what the feelings are. Okay, and the needs that are linked to those feelings, and also how to make a request in a way that somebody will hear you and be willing to honor that request and support you, um, such as in making repairs to relationships. So pretty powerful work with Holden. He wants to go see that. So basically, if you want to know more, we encourage you to, um, to check out um, that book or, or get online and look at Marsha Rosenberg's offerings and things. It's pretty, pretty impressive. And, and individuals literally stop me on the trail on a mountain bike trail or with my dogs or whatever. And they ask, when are you doing another NBC workshop? Which means, and Barb, you are a, uh, what would you say, a veteran? Yeah, artistic, yeah, veteran of that. Um, so um, I think whenever I go back and visit New York, which is where I'm from, Long Island, I'm always like, oh my God, everybody here should be required to take a non <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so if you have any interest, I encourage you to look into that further. Um, yeah, so pet therapy. Um, we're hearing all about how wonderful and what a service it is and how healing it can be. Um, this is Greg and Ruth, and that's Abby, one of our first um, therapy dogs. And these are the ones who actually drove to California, drove to California to um, present at that conference in Oakland which was, and, and, and Abby, who you'll see another picture of, which is the star of the show. Like she just came in there and was like, oh, I got to pet the dog. What's the dog doing here in the middle of this, you know, thing. And um, really, I mean, I hear from other agencies and organizations they are like, wait a minute, you had volunteers offer, volunteer to drive to California from Colorado. And we're like, yeah. They're like, we can't get people to show up for a potluck. <laughs> you get people to do this and I'm like well I mean you can see how meaningful it is to everyone concerned and they were willing to do that and it's just you know again it just warms my heart that people you know such as Debbie and Emmy and and we're just and Paula and Keith they were just yeah let's do this this is going to make a difference and it, it has and it's been shared um a number of times and just grateful the opportunity to share this one more time uh, Human-animal bond. Um, this was something that I based the idea of bringing the therapy dogs in. It's basically that, you know, 
there's actual science, evidence-based information that's out there saying that the human-animal bond is a powerful um, and instrumental uh, approach into um, well, gaining your inner peace as well as creating peace externally. And that, um, you know, this just basically says dogs seem to be, seem to be beneficial to the social interactions of teams. Okay, well, thank you. They've done a lot of research on this. I actually did my graduate thesis on the human animal bond online. And that was in 97 when things just started coming online with the internet. And one of the, I remember ex exploring this as part of my journalism degree. And basically I was seeing like eternal flame websites for hedgehogs and things like that. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, this is a whole new world out here um, as we can see. But um, so yeah, so the human animal bond, super, super important. And again, evidence-based practices, dogs secrete um, like a dopamine. Um, you know, when they see their owner. So it's like, um, you know, the science of why we connect so strongly to these animals as, as it's there, it's been, been proven, which is why therapy dogs, you know, are allowed in, you know, to right. different institutions, especially hospitals and things too. Yeah. Um, so, um, but we also have this, you know, mutual appreciation society. Dogs love their humans, humans love their dogs. And look at this, Paula. There's Keith. Yeah, sure. So, what is a therapy dog? Um, let me get to this real quick. Um, therapy dogs, as you can see, provide a form of like pet therapy. And oh, this isn't clicking. Hold on one second. All right. Um, so, um, Debbie spoke a little bit about the benefits of therapy dogs in, um, uh, when she, you know, shared her experiences and, um, Paula, is there anything that you would like to share in regards to your time? You know, we, he and I have, have volunteered at the hospital and at the high school and at Longfellow Grief of their foster reading program and, and, it seems to be kind of a universal. They make everything better, right? <laughs> they make every situation better. Okay, we're going to say bye to Debbie and Cole, and thank you. Thank you. I have a little technical thing here. Um, HDMI source cable thing. Okay. In the meantime, um, I'd like to read you a little bit more from the book. And basically, it's um, it just it, it does you know documents how this process came about, and then it starts um, talking about. If you want to have a program implemented, these are some, you know, um, best practices, guidelines that you could use. Um, when I was asked to explain the concept of cross collaboration of the species in a social justice initiative, 
My response was like simple. It was like, well, it just makes sense. Okay. So being an animal person and one who regards our fellow creatures on this planet as sentient beings who connect with humans on many levels, in addition to having my having enhanced my life with canine companions for decades, I've also had a strong belief in the power of pause. Okay. And if you, you know, you do a search online and you'll see so much information out there. And what I try to do is just kind of boil this down and make it, you know, specific to kind of um, talking about the human animal bond and how we decided to utilize that within, you know, the RJ processes. And um, I think that, you know, many RJ participants experience RJ processes as uniquely transformational. So they bring healing and closure to a difficult period in the lives of those affected. Well-trained therapy dogs serve to enhance the initial meeting and the assessment of potential participants in the pre-conference. And then they are there to soothe the members of the Victor Fender conferences while knowing that the conferences themselves have been very well regulated, okay? Um, and best practices are followed to ensure a successful resolution experience for all, okay? And to ensure that best possible outcome, directors and facilitators of RJ programs, you know, basically they need to vet their um, therapy dog teams really carefully. And so, oh good, we're back up there. What is a therapy dog? Um, we have, we're stuck, many different things. Sorry for the technical uh, here. I'm kind of stuck on this. Let's see. Um, okay, so basically what I have up next is like, what are therapy dog requirements? And, um, and then what is the difference between therapy dogs and service dogs? And if you're familiar with uh, individuals who, may have, who have a disability may have what we call a service dog which is a higher level of training and those who actually support basic functions in life, okay? And therapy dogs are used kind of as emotional comfort and also to be available um, in ways that help them people physically um, decompress or reduce their anxiety levels, um, having a you know, physiological component of, of healing, basically. So, um, Paul, would you say that was... Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, when when I participated in some of the RJ classes or RJ groups, that people, everyone, especially with young people, they're so scared and that they can't even look anyone in the eye. And once a dog kind of wanders around mm -hmm. the room, pretty soon it's it it is it's emotional that it opens it opens people's hearts. I think mm -hmm. definitely opens people's hearts. So for either service or therapy dogs, um, they bring us benefits uh, that are immeasurable. And the comfort, unconditional love, and companionship that a dog offers brings us peace, stability, and a sense of equanimity that is unmatched. Um, so then one of the do therapy dog teams, Ruth and uh, Greg and Abby, decided to let Abby speak, therapy dog. So, <laughs> Um, hi, my name is Abby, and I'm a certified therapy dog. I'm also a border collie. In many people's minds, border collie and therapy dogs do not mix. <laughs> but border collies are known for their high energy and workaholic attitude, 
And don't misunderstand me, I take my jobs very seriously. A job is not worth doing unless it is done right. What makes me unique is I just love people, especially kids. I believe human beings were put on this earth just to give me attention. <laughs> so you might say I was born with a very special talent to love and be loved by people. My mom and dad discovered the special gift I have when I was young. They took me to a local trainer who explained what my job would be as a therapy dog. I had to prove that I was able to behave myself in a variety of situations. And once I did that, I registered with an organization called the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. And now I even have my own best and business card. <laughs> I get to go into nursing homes and hospitals. I've watched with pride as I see smiles appear on people's faces that normally don't have much to smile about. I've also heard some amazing stories when I go into elementary schools. Kids love to read to me. <laughs> and one of my favorite jobs is when I'm part of restorative justice circle. Since dogs are very sensitive to the energy that people give off, I usually sense some fear, tension, and a lot of anxiety. But I've come to help these people. I'm not sure what I do exactly, but when these people see me, their energy shifts and they are able to smile and relax, at least just a little. One circle I remember the most is my very first one that I was invited to. A young man did something he wasn't supposed to. He and his mom were really, really nervous. My mom told me later that they both had something called an anxiety disorder. I have no idea what that is, but I didn't care. I was here to share the love, and I did. I just sat between them and enjoyed their pet. In that same circle, I sat next to a, a lady who was very angry about something that happened to her. And allowing her to pet me seemed to help her, too. It worked like magic. And maybe it's the feeling of my fur. It is pretty silky after all. <laughs> it's a difficult job being a therapy dog, but some lucky dogs get to do it. That's that. Yeah. I that's nice. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you, oh, you got us up again, Molly. Thank you. Kind of. Sorry, I had a little technical difficulty there. But um, I'm looking at the time, and it's almost 2.30. Sorry, a little bit later because Tales or Trails people were saying they were going to come. Um, so does anybody have any questions? Anything I can help um, uh, share? Anything about RJ or therapy dogs? Or Did you address how, how people can go about getting their dogs? Enlisted in a therapy dog program? No, see, it's a reason you came, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've got a really nice dog. You, you get a really nice dog. Nice with them. Yes, yeah. that's a great question because we, you know, we all love our dogs. And, you know, some of them do better with people or with other dogs than others. And therapy dogs, basically, um, you connect with, um, well, I connected with Laura Contain of Shady County Therapy Dogs, but you could go to, you know, if you don't live in the area or you want to go have a dog um, certified outside of this area, um, you can get online and check for that. Um, but there is um, a process in which you go to three different places, one being a um, nursing home and then a hospital and then like a big busy store like Murdoch's. And they have to, your dog needs to be able to be focused on you to be able to welcome other people into their space and then not be freaked out by like all the noise and the, you know, the wheelchairs or the beeping or the, the big heavy, you know, trucks and things like that. So, and so they pass that temperament test, then they go on to like the, the petting test. And my little dog, Carmi, when we first went, she, we had to stop because she didn't like her ears cut. 
so I had to spend the next week petting her ears and let other people pet her ears. Like, hey, you want to pet my dog ears? <laughs> <You're laughs> like, hey. um, so, so if they have like a little minor bump like that, then then you can kind of work on that. And then once they, you know, get through all, you know, it's like a three step process. Then they're certified, and then you register them. And it's important that you register them as a therapy dog through the National Alliance for Therapy Dogs because not only is there a liability coverage, which you know, if you're in a hospital or whatever, they want you to have that, but they also provide ID cards and, and you know, vests and things so they know you're an official um, certified therapy dog. Because you know, there are people who put on the vest and pretend their dog's a service dog or they pretend they're, you know, therapy dog, and they're really not equipped to be those in those environments. So, so yeah, did that. Um, anything else that I can help with? Um, okay. <laughs> Done. Um, just uh, what's left here is just a few more slides that um, that talked about, you know, what a therapy dog needs to be, and then also um, the school-based programs and how well they were received in that. And also um, a little bit about restorative justice, the local organization that's here. Okay. Um, speak to that for just a second. What's the local organization? Full circle restorative justice. And there's information in the um, executive director's cards and, and brochures are already there. Okay. Um, they are, are in the schools doing different programs, but they're also working with the, the justice system as well. Um, and receiving referrals. They actually work the judicial system that they're working in um, Kenny City as well as here and in um, Custer County and uh, Fremont County and Park County. So, um, so um, the big thing here is that um, I just wanted to introduce dogs into the R day practices. As you've heard from volunteers and things, it's been a successful approach, very positive. Um, and um, uh, I just, you know, really loved my work. I loved the people, the individuals that I was able to spend, you know, 14 years of my life with. And uh, I just want to see it continue, you know? So if you know of anybody who does this kind of work or any type of work within the justice system, you know, please let them know that um, the restorative approach is a very positive and um, scientifically proven evidence-based approach to, to helping resolve conflict. Um, and also that the more they can include therapy dogs in the mix um, and in programming, um, it, it's gonna only serve to help other human beings and also the dogs love it as well. <laughs> and, and just get all the time. So, um, and on that note, um, thank you all for being here. It's such a gift to see all these wonderful faces. And, um, and there are some snacks and things in the back. You're welcome to help yourself get some drinks. And if you would like a copy of the book, I do have them for sale over on the table there for um, $15. So, thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you.